you're about to hear my conversation with Leslie Marks. We talk all about Canada, including what to expect from the Bank of Canada this week, how Nordstrom's leaving Canada may impact the Canadian economy, as well as revisiting some predictions made earlier this year about global growth, as well as overall stock market performance. I hope you enjoy it. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be back with our regular guest, Leslie Marks, who's the Chief Investment Officer for Equities at McKenzie. Leslie, welcome back. Great to be here again, Matt. Let's start off with uh, local news and, and talk about Canada a little bit. Um, the Bank of Canada uh, is uh, meeting this week. What, what are you expecting from them? Well, let's go back in time to the last Bank of Canada meeting. So just as a reminder for our listeners, this was when Governor Macklem communicated that the Bank of Canada was going to pause uh, with monetary policy at current rates of 4.5%. Right. And I thought that his messaging was a bit odd at, at the time because it really didn't give him any flexibility. But then in recent news, we saw with the Canadian banks reporting their earnings, something, a, a really interesting nugget from CIBC's earnings report in one of their notes, which is a good reminder, you know, when you're studying a company and looking at the fundamentals of a company to always read the notes to the financial statements. But of course, the media picked up on this because it was such an important uh, piece of data. And that note was the disclosure that about 20% of their loan book or $52 billion in mortgages were in a position that the monthly payment today doesn't cover the interest portion of the loan. And this was, as I mentioned, a, a footnote to their quarterly results. And so what this means is that the loan balances in, in those loans have, have grown. These are right. fixed, these are a variable rate mortgage with a fixed monthly payment, right. which means that when rates increase, the portion that's attributable to principal decreases because the interest costs are increasing. And so some variable rate mortgages don't have fixed monthly payments. So those are less risky for the banks. But these ones with the fixed payments become more risky given the context of the speed of interest rate increases. So normally what happens is when a borrower reaches a trigger rate, they will need to increase their monthly payments so that they can continue to reduce the size of their loan. But that's not the case in these fixed payment mortgages. And these loans, um, they allow a borrower to go past the trigger rate up to a threshold. Um, CIBC isn't unique in offering these products. Um, other banks offer them as well, but they were the only ones that actually disclosed the percentage of their mortgage book that is in this product. And so I want to connect this now to the Bank of Canada. And I think that this is a big part of why uh, Governor Macklem thought it was prudent to stop increasing interest rate increases from our central bank and see how the mortgage market responds. Um, as I said, I think we were all a bit surprised by, by the commentary. And, you know, he did say this was a conditional pause. It was contingent on supportive incoming data. 
And the data has been a bit mixed. Housing data right. has been a bit weak, but overall the jobs data has been strong and, and the Canadian yeah. economy has been uh, a little bit sluggish. Um, but I think the jobs da- data that we've seen would almost support potential to increase again, but that's, that's just not happening uh, right now. So I think all this to say, um, the guidance that we saw at the last Bank of Canada meeting is going to be consistent with what we're going to see this week from our governor of the Bank of Canada. Great. Um, maybe just one follow up on that. One of the, um, I guess, commentary that we've seen a lot of because we're so fixated on the U.S. being uh, the northern neighbor and, and the size of the U.S. economy uh, is uh, Powell's comments around uh, uh, around uh, hiking and also the hot data coming in there. Do you think interest rate differential between uh, the Fed and the Bank of Canada may result in Macklem uh, actually uh, having to hike uh, in order to keep um, that differential relatively uh, contained? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, it's obviously not a central banker's job to worry about the currency, but that's where you would right. see that play out is in the Canadian dollar. And so that could put some downward pressure on the Canadian dollar, but in some ways that will make Canadian exports more competitive. And so that could be good for uh, mm. the Canadian economy. So what I don't know is, is you know, what is the pain threshold for the interest rate differential? I think what's clear is that we're seeing, um, and, and we saw it from the last policy meetings from both Canada and the U.S., uh, a clear diversion in path from right. here. The U.S. economic data is much more consistently compelling and strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that something needs to happen there with respect to a continuation of tighter monetary policy. Uh, I think in Canada, the answer to that question is is less clear. So I think we could have a divergent path for a while here. I just don't know if that's 50 basis points or 75 sure. basis points. I think, again, data dependent. Both, um, actually all central banks right now are very much data dependent. And I maybe just, uh, maybe you've answered it uh, with the data dependency, but uh, just to put a finer point on it, what are the, what's the probability in your uh, mind of cuts uh, or are they possible from Bank of Canada uh, through the back half of 2023? Zero. Is that defined enough? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I really <laughs> think that, um, I mean, things would have to get really bad here. Uh, now, of course, it's always the central bankers, prerogative to, to change their mind. But sure. I think a very, very low chance that we see uh, interest rate cuts here in Canada and certainly not in, in the United States, um, certainly for, for this year. I think that would right. be more of a 2024 story. Mm-hmm. And actually, if we got to that point, I mean, because the economy is at you know a zero growth rate right now, um, that would mean things have deteriorated very quickly. And that would be I would say a real negative for all risk assets. That would be a scary situation if we got to that point where we went from pause to cut um, in the next six to nine months here. Great. Uh, very definitive. Um, you, you referenced the uh, the relatively optimistic uh, labor market um, data that's coming from for Canada and the U.S. as well. 
Um, and labor market typically means sort of strong consumer, people are earning money, uh, strong wage growth. Last week, we saw an announcement that Nordstrom's is uh, exiting Canada. Uh, that's going to lead to uh, about 2,500 jobs uh, leaving the market. Uh, I guess less specifically about uh, Nordstrom's, but is that sort of a, a important point or indicative of potentially a trend uh, uh, coming up? Yes and no. And and first of all, let me just say, you know, how sad it is to see <laughs> a big company that had such a great, exceptional customer client experience right. um, leaving uh, this country. I think, you know, Nordstrom really set the bar for customer service um, in the retail industry in this country. And I think many, including myself, will be very sad to, to see them go. And 2,500 jobs in Canada, that's that's not a small number. Yeah. You know, imagine the day that the people at Nordstrom were told about this last week. Um, so a very, a very sad day uh, in, in, in the history of Canadian retail, for sure. Um, now, when I say yes and no, whether or not this is sort of a bellwether indication, I would say no in the sense that Canada is a very difficult market for retailers of large um, real estate footprints in general mm. because of our large sprawling geography and relatively right. low population, which means it's very difficult to scale retail in this country with, with big stores. And our target market is just much smaller. Um, sure. You know, when you think about population density is very low here. So it's very difficult to get the scale you needed to be profitable. After 10 years, Nordstrom was still not achieving profitability. So the prospect of getting there was was very low. So from a you know a business decision, I think it, it made sense to um, pull the plug. But when we look at what Nordstrom said in their commentary, and I always like to read sort of the bigger picture that goes beyond the headline, they did cite inflation, higher interest rates, um, a moderating economic outlook, that's the consumer piece, and the shift to digital shopping as reasons for the exit. And I would say those are all economically um, related uh, metrics other than the shift to digital, which is more of a secular trend. And their most recent um, quarter showed a, a 4% decline in sales, yet with inflation, the real number would be a much bigger decline. Sure. So, right. so, th so they were really suffering from um, consumers starting to shift their expenditures away from discretionary because of the fact that staples are taking up, uh, you know, necessities are taking up a larger portion of the consumer wallet. And, you know, just to confirm that, um, I also read another uh, story over the weekend that Target, Best Buy and Macy's also said that consumers are all starting to pull back on dis discretionary goods like clothing, electronics and right. home improvement and shifting spending to groceries and household basics. So I think what we're seeing is the forefront of the impact of inflation. I think when inflation first hit, um, people were very committed to, you know, whether it was COVID revenge spending, travel spending, et cetera. Sure. Um, they were willing to sort of plug their nose and still spend higher prices. Now that um, this has been, you know, with us for uh, over a year now, I think people are getting more selective about their spending and starting to to rein it back in. So I think despite the fact that jobs are good, that's what's keeping us out of a recession. But the inflation side is what's dampening economic growth and putting us in that what we expect to see as a soft landing scenario.
Got it. Um, makes a lot of sense uh, on on uh, sort of both good news and bad news uh, on Nordstrom's uh, leaving. Um, maybe we go back out to sort of a larger picture. Uh, when we talked uh, earlier this year about uh, the Blue Book and your predictions uh, within that Blue Book, uh, you had expected that the first half of the year would be fairly weak uh, for riskier assets with the back half of the year being uh, much better. Um, you know, here we are, uh, first part of March, uh, and we've seen uh, sort of the opposite. We've seen uh, quite a uh, risk on trade uh, with uh, with the growth stocks and technology stocks rallying a fair amount uh, year to date. Has your view changed at all? No, our view hasn't changed. But admittedly, I'd say that the strength to start the year off certainly surprised us. And that was the overall strength in equities, but especially in sure. technology shares, the NASDAQ being one of the top performing indices globally. And that surprised us. Um, now, it was in the face of earnings season, which we thought we expected to be a negative catalyst uh, for equities. Um, but I think equities and particularly higher risk equities really took their cue from the central bank commentary and started to extrapolate and say, okay, well, we're near the end of the Fed and Bank of Canada um, tightening cycle. And so the next step after pause is cutting interest rates. And I think what we are seeing, and and I was confused by that, um, was that that's that's not actually what's playing out. And, And so the sort of sober second thought um, when we saw the continued strength in, in economic data was that although the expectations for the economy are um, have actually improved and we've seen upward revisions in expectations for economic growth this year globally, um, that's what sort of created that no landing uh, narrative. And, and, right. and we had the support of the stronger labor market. Um, I think where the market got that wrong was those that that good news, the good economic news really did not set up conditions for either a pausing or a cutting in in interest rates. So there was something there that was um, a little bit uh, disconnected. And we think that the market actually got that wrong. And and it's been, you know, beginning to recalibrate over the past few weeks. We saw interest rates back up and um, yet equities were still strong. Now equities started to to, to roll over a little bit and accept you know the reality of the of the real world and and and, and the environment. Um, we still and here's why we still have conviction that uh, we think that there are significant headwinds for equities. Right. Is more it was always based on the expectation for earnings, and although we've seen a decline in uh, expectations for earnings from the peak for this year. Um, it's, it's fairly obvious that the headwinds continue to be quite strong, higher expenses. We talked about inflation, um, wage, upward wage pressures specifically, demand is starting to slow, currency volatility, onshoring. These are all pretty significant headwinds for earnings. We've just seen in the last um, month or two, the expectations for year-over-year earnings growth for the S&P have uh, actually turned um, negative for 2023, and margin expectations are, are also down. So I'd say that the stronger the economy, and that's what was driving markets, has really been a very clear indication that the central bankers' work is not done. And they will not move so quickly to cut interest rates as long as unemployment is at record lows. And the market, I think, will be disappointed by that. 
Great. So you have both record employment and then earnings um, coming in as you expected, uh, which should re- result in uh, valuations coming in a, a fair amount. Is, is that yeah, like I think yeah. earnings earnings were okay. Um, sure. And that would be sort of the fourth quarter earnings reports that we saw in the first quarter. But um, we think that the future is for lower earnings. Right. which is starting to play out in expectations for 2023. 2024 earnings are showing pretty significant growth, which is still too high. If you look back in um, you know, pre-COVID at uh, growth, both top line and bottom line, so revenue numbers and earnings numbers, um, there was kind of a steady state, fairly low growth in that sort of 5 to 7% range. Then you go into the what we're now going to call the COVID years, uh, sure. 2020, 2021, 2022, and you saw outsized growth in earnings. I mean, surprisingly, who would have ever thought in a global pandemic that you would see that? But you saw um, sales numbers really um, go above trend in earnings as well as businesses scaled. And so it's a bit of you know borrowing from the future. That's just not sustainable. So that has has to come down, and that's where the impact from the central bankers will start to play through in the real economy. Uh, great. Thanks for the clarity on that. Um, maybe to shift to some other uh, predictions that were contained in the Blue Book and, and take a look more at the global outlook. Um, when uh, when earlier this year, when that, um, that was put together, uh, your call, which was fairly substantial, was to underweight the U.S. and overweight other regions like Canada, Europe, uh, emerging markets. Um, do you still stand by that call? We do. We do. And when you look at markets year to date, that's pretty much, you know, save for the NASDAQ, which has been the exception. Um, That's actually what has played out. Um, You've seen a little bit better performance from the TSX um, than the S&P. And most of the European markets have been better. And the Asian markets have been kind of, I would say, in in line. So um, it's been an interesting market uh, for the year, year to date, but playing out the way we would have expected. Um, and, and really that thesis, just to revisit the thesis, was was driven on one, lower valuations. Right. Um, so when you see the high, higher valuations that we have in the US, you can see that equities are almost priced for perfection. Uh, we didn't feel as comfortable on the relative risk return equation there. Um, of course, around the world, less exposure to high growth technology. It's not a surprise that that's where we've seen most of the layoff activity. Um, sure. th- that's really the area of the economy that was, um, you know, sort of above trend, that experienced above trend growth uh, over the last three years. That was really what was driving S&P 500 earnings and that that trend. So we, we think that's going to come down um, pretty substantially. Growth rates will come down and so people will pay less for those stocks. Um, we thought at the time that the global stocks, whether it was Europe, um, Asia, uh, emerging markets, even Canada, were generally underowned. And we've seen a big shift. And I don't know if that would, you could still say that was the case. But um, I still think that people aren't extremely overweight in global equities, XUS. Right. And the outlook for the US dollar, although it has weakened um, from its peak uh, last year, um, I think that it still looks like it's 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 overbought because of the whole sort of risk aversion that really drove the U.S. dollar uh, last year. And then the final point is the China reopening, which is also very positive for emerging markets. And you're going to hear more out of China 
this week um, from the parliamentary meetings about the focus on economic growth. Perfect. Um, well, Leslie, that, that's great. Any concluding thoughts? Well, I think this is going to be another big week as, as they all are. And some things that are on tap to this week is the U.S. jobs data on Friday. This will be the last jobs data before the Fed meets in um, uh, and towards the end of March. You're going to have uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell and his um, testimony in the semi-annual monetary policy report to lawmakers this week. Um, and, and I guess the final point is uh, what we saw last week around the inflation data coming out of Europe from uh, from France, from Italy. And you can see that inflation is still alive and well in, in Europe. And um, it just sort of brings it all together to say that um, the central bankers work, I just want to reiterate, is not done. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Governor Macklem is going to stick handle that um, through his uh, release uh, this week on Wednesday, because as you mentioned, Bank of Canada is starting to look like an outlier here. Leslie, uh, thank you very much for your thoughts. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, really uh, intriguing conversation, and uh, I look forward to having you on next time. Well, thank you for having me, Matt. Uh, great questions as usual. content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 